Welcome to Crystal Clear Finances, where we understand finances, well, they can be confusing, but you don't have to face it alone. You can have confidence for every financial decision. My name is Crystal Langdon. I'm a certified financial planner, qualified kingdom advisor, founder of Crystal Clear Finances, and your host for the next 30 minutes. Now, today is part two of a series that we're talking about the stock market, how it works, predictions when it comes to the stock market. You know, this is something that we started last week. And while I could have put it all into one program, to me, it made more sense just break this in half. We talked about the top five predictions last week. We're going to talk about the remaining five predictions this week. And remember, this is predictions for 2023. Nope. Don't, don't turn the channel. I know this is 2024 and you might be saying, but I want to hear the 2024. Well, that works out perfect because that's next week. Next week, we're going to talk about 2024 because I need us to have a foundation of understanding 2023 and what we saw, what we didn't see. And what I love about this is as we're going through this, you're seeing that Bob Dahl, who I read his credentials last week, but let me just read them briefly here. He's on Bloomberg TV, Fox News, CNBC, Faith and Finance Live Radio. He was the senior portfolio manager and chief economist strategist at Nuveen. That's pretty big. And BlackRock, that's really big. He was president and chief investment advisor at Merrill Lynch and then the chief investment officer at Oppenheimer's. So just a little bit of background before I remember when he made the move to Crossmark Global. He literally said he would come to our Kingdom Advisors Conference and he knew that he was giving advice and leading in a secular arena. And he said, I want to spend the rest of my years working in a faith-based, value-oriented investment firm. And so he left. So don't get tripped up that he worked at BlackRock. Don't get tripped up that Oppenheimer and Nuveen are listed here. That should show you the degree of how he could stand in those arenas. Not for a year, not for two years. But for multiple years, he was able to stand among their giants and be able to give good counsel. And now he's taken that wisdom and he said, okay, now I'm going to go over and I'm going to be part of Crossmark. And we'll go ahead like we did last week and we'll put a link in the show notes so that you can see, okay, this is how I can find more information. Now, the reason that I'm telling you about him is not because, oh, gee, we need to go be buying all of his funds that are in his account that they're promoting. It's because I want you to be aware that even someone at his level can give these top 10 predictions and then turn around and say, my bad, okay, that didn't work, but let me show you why I was wrong on it. Many people are free to spout information but when they're wrong, they're nowhere to be found. And I like going through this to say, okay, what went wrong here? Because then when we look at 2024, we can say, what's going right here? And hmm, there's a little flavor from last year. What did I learn? Because the stock market is always evolving. Our economy is always evolving. And so we've got to keep that open mindset. You know, last year, last year, last week, we went through when we were talking about business cycles and one of the most dangerous places to be in, and actually it's very similar to a retirement cycle, which I'm, I want to segue to that, just thought of that, 
with the business cycle, when you get to that place where you no longer want to have information, it has now become set company policy and you're not willing to change is usually when you see companies begin to decline because bureaucracy has kicked in and now they're not willing to change to meet the needs of their growing clientele. I think about retirement. Retirement, as we've talked before, that has stages as well, right? The honeymoon stage where I can sleep in and eat chocolate bonbons. This is awesome. And then they go through the honey-do list. Maybe not so awesome. But they get to do the travel until finally they reach a place of, okay, I've done everything I wanted to. I've eaten everything I've wanted to. I've slept as long as I want to. And I don't know what to do with myself and where do I have impact And we get to the place where they become reclusive and set in and no longer engage with other people. That is a very dangerous stage for them because that's when they decline. So just like businesses, when they come unto themselves and think they have all the answers and won't change, just like individuals, when they go in retirement and they become reclusive and won't change, these are signs where things can begin to decay. So we want to be aware of that and have that base knowledge so that when we talk about the stock market, we are not all jittery when we see, oh, there were some things that they predicted that are wrong. Let's head to the hills. Nope. Let's find out why. Let's learn from it. And let's keep moving forward. All right. So let's tackle the last five predictions that were in 2023. Let's see if Bob got them right or wrong. I am just going to briefly go over the first five because it wouldn't be fair if we didn't for those of you who didn't join us last week. And one of the first things that Bob had said, his first prediction was that we were going to have a recession last year and he was wrong. He says it, he flat out says, between uh, the extra COVID spending money that was out there, between different things with the labor market, he did not see that that would be strong enough to pull us through and not have a recession. I mean, after all, we went from zero to 5.25% in increases in 18 months. Who does that and doesn't have some type of repercussion? Well, apparently we don't or we haven't done it yet. And that's what we need to be aware of. And this is not a doom and gloom type of thing, because remember, when we talk recession, we're not talking depression, right? Google it. What is the difference between a recession and a depression? And you'll be able to see the difference from amount of jobs that were there and how in a recession people say, eh, I'm just going to hold on to my money and I'm not going to spend it. I'm going to be a little bit careful here. Whereas depression, there is not money for them to be spending. And much more, is that a word? Much more, many more people are laid off. So there's some vast differences that we can go through. So Bob was wrong on that. It is interesting to note uh, his outlook for 2024 because he continues to state, how do we work this out? I think of Brian Westbury of of First Trust, same type of thing, where he's saying, guys, we can't make policy decisions and then think there's no repercussion. It does. Now, sometimes it takes longer to trickle down, but it eventually trickles down. And then, of course, what happens is people don't know what it's from. I, I think of people right now that are complaining about their insurance, the cost of insurance for my homeowners. Well, let's think back to when we had the rioting and people were burning places. Let's think back to the storms and we look at all of that and we say, oh, wow, that's horrible. Those poor insurance companies, it's going to cost them millions and billions. Mm Mm-hmm. 
it's also going to cost us because what are they going to do? They're going to deal with the issue. They're going to say, okay, now we've got that under control and we need to go get our money back. And so they raise the rates. Sitting down with people, it's surprising how short-term memories there are because we literally are now going back and saying, but remember, this was because of a repercussion of this, which is my very long way of saying that going from zero to 5.25, oh, I think we're going to feel repercussions on that. I just don't know when. So I'm not going to go hide in the hills. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put together a plan when I'm working with clients and say, okay, so if this can gets kicked down the road and we don't have a recession for a while and we have some growth, where do we want to be? And if we do finally pay the piper and we do have to experience um, a mild recession, where do we want to be? So why can't I have my cake and eat it too? Why can't I learn to position both ways and be efficient in how I'm doing my finances? Good questions you should be asking yourself and your financial advisor. All right. So the second one that he had said, and I better speed this up, uh, from last uh, week, we were talking about the top 10 predictions. First one is that recession would come and it didn't. Second one was that inflation falls substantially, but remains above the Fed's target rate. And actually that did happen, right? They put those cuts in and, and different things that they were doing, but it never got to where the Feds wanted it, but they finally eased up on it. So that's interesting to watch. It will be interesting to watch. I'm just going to put it that, this out there to see what they're going to do about the cuts this year. You know, when they went in and I realized just one second that I had said cuts a moment ago. So let me just clarify it. They raised rates last year. This year's when we're looking for the cuts to say, hey, can we bring things back down? And I'm not sure if they will. You know, talk at the beginning of the year was, hey, they're going to have six cuts. I really don't see that happening. In fact, when I'm listening to The Economist, they're not seeing that either. But again, nothing is guaranteed, so we'll never know. But we want to be in a position, how do we take advantage of it? You know, I watch the banks. This is interesting on this, and I didn't make this comment last week. But when we look at where the interest rates are, so if you can get an interest rate at 5%, right, in a CD, and then you see that banks are only giving the shorter term ones at the higher rate and the longer term ones at a lower rate, I can begin saying, oh, I see what you're thinking. You only want to pay a higher rate out for a short period of time because you don't want to be locked into a higher rate for a longer period of time because you may be anticipating that the rates are going down. So you're only going to be willing to do it for short blocks of time. Did you guys notice that, right? When you, before it was like, hey, you can have 5% for a year. And now it's like, uh, you can have 5% for six months. And people are like, this is awesome. Follow the money. Why are they doing that? Why are they not wanting to lock it up and say, give a commitment to you to pay 5% for a year anymore? Now they'll do it in six months, but if you want to go farther, so watch how those go. So that really does impact you, which is the point of this program. All right. So let's go to number three, which is Fed funds reaches 5% and they remain there, which is a fancy way of saying the Feds increase the rates. So when banks borrow from themselves or borrow from the government, they make it more expensive. 
And when they're making it more expensive, the banks are like, yeah, not me. I'm not paying this. They pass it on to the businesses and the businesses say, yeah, not me. And they pass it on to the consumers, which congratulations, you now have more expensive production of food, production of clothes, anything that you're purchasing because these businesses are having to borrow at a higher rate. Fourth one, and he was right in that prediction. So we've got two that he was right on, one that he was wrong. The fourth one, he was right again. And it said earnings fall short of expectations in 2023. And that's because of the cost pressures and revenue shortfalls. You know, and a lot of times, it's so funny, when you hear the quarterly earnings report, people panic over it. Just understand it's a business that thought based upon what it costs to do business right now, this is what we think our earnings projections will be. But things change. And when things change, they have to have the ability to pivot and make the changes they need to. And many strong companies will do that, but they'll miss their quarterly earnings and all of a sudden they're a bad company. No, they just forecasted it incorrectly. If you watch them and watch their track record, it will be interesting to see this quarter what in 2024 the quarterly earnings report will be because now they have some time under their belt to say, you know what, based on this, I can forecast it a little bit more accurately. So Bob was right on that. And then the last one, and then we're going to take a quick break and then we'll come back and cover the remaining five was that no major asset class would be up by double digits. Well. He was right, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, and then October, November, December came. And while we had a correction, then we also saw the market go back up, a nice 15% swing, and he was wrong. So when he explains it, he begins to, to explain about the Magnificent Seven, these stocks that are invested in, in AI and their technology and all the different components, how they really went to town and brought the stock market with them. Because they are unequally weighted in there, they're really driving the stock market. So he was wrong on that. But what I like is we can point to why so we can have an understanding. So let's take a quick 60 second break and then we'll be back with more crystal clear finances investment allocation and location can be complementing strategies when it comes to finances this is crystal langdon with today's financial gem investment allocation deals with your risk tolerance how conservative or growth oriented are you Investment location is about positioning those investments in a way that can be most tax efficient. Unfortunately, many just focus on the allocation and resources are lost to taxes because investments end up in the wrong location. Call Crystal Clear Finances at 518-433-7181 and make sure your investment allocation and location are in the right place for you. And we're back with more Crystal Clear Finances. Thank you for joining me each and every week. I love being able to sit down, provide this information, and not just information. I want you to understand, okay, I heard that. Crystal, what does that mean in real life? And then be able to apply it to your life. Now, for compliance purposes, not a recommendation, but it is an awareness. 
It's educational in nature to help you be able to understand, okay, I can see how things are working because if we can take what we've learned from the past in these top 10 predictions for 2023, then next week when we start saying, hey, let's go over the top 10 predictions for 2024, then we can use history from the past, though it's not guarantee of what it will be in the future, but it allows us to have a broader uh breadth of knowledge within us. So let's go into the next area because we have five more we need to go through before we run out of time. And here's one of the predictions that Bob had given. He said, energy, consumer staples, and financials are going to outperform utilities, technology, and communication services as value beats growth. Okay, he was wrong. He was wrong because technology, if you look at the Magnificent Seven, when I look at them, they're artificial intelligence, electrical vehicles, and cloud computing and digital services. So they kind of blew it out of the water. So he was wrong on that. Now, here's something to understand. When you read this, it can be very tempting when we do 2024s to say, oh, I'm going to listen to point number six, prediction number six, and I'm going to find out what sectors they're saying are going to do really well, and I'm going to make sure that I have lots of my money in there. This is why we talk about diversification. And what we're going to do is we're going to put a link to a diversification chart in the notes because it's important. And this is something you can just Google, diversify, investment diversification chart. And it's going to show you this chart of multi-different colors. And you're going to see that, wow, this year, large cap stocks did phenomenal. So what happens is people say, oh, I didn't get the return that they got. Yes, in a pouty voice. I didn't get the return they got. I want that return this year. So Crystal, get me a whole bunch of large cap stocks. To which the market the next year says, oh, really? You switched? <laughs> well, maybe it doesn't say that. But the next year, you can have small cap stocks do good, international stocks, maybe conservative holdings. It's all over the place. When you look at this chart, and again, go into the show notes so that you can see this, it is multicolored because it's very rare to have a 10-year run across the top where it's all one asset class. Oh, it's all just energy and consumers, or it's all just large cap, or it's all just small cap. This is why diversification is so important. And not diversification so that you can say, I'm diversified, because, well, that's kind of lame. You don't want to do it just because it's something you're supposed to check a box for. I believe when it comes to investments, it's important that you're doing it based upon research and your conviction. What should you be doing? Why is your investment advisor positioning the way that they are? What is the reasoning? You should be able to walk away from your meeting and say, I'm positioned this way. I'm excited about it. Doesn't mean that you needed to do all the research on what specific companies are in there, but understanding what area, what sector you're in and why, to me, it's so important to understand the why, not just how we're doing it. So when I look at this and they say energy, consumer staples and financials outperform the utilities and you, we know that that was incorrect, there will be a prediction next year. Just my thought process is be diversified so that you are in the right position when that time comes. So let's go to number seven. 
And Bob was incorrect on this one. And he said, the average active manager beats the index in 2023. So let's have a discussion for a minute. What is passive versus active management? Well, passive management would be there's minimal turnover. Like, okay, I'm going to purchase this and I'm going to hold it. And you know what? It may go down. But that's okay if we're understanding where it is in the cycle, if we're understanding what is the outlook. You know, there's software that I use that I literally can pull up a company. It's just for internal use only. I can pull up a company and say, what are they involved in as far as their products, offerings, and services? Where are they on the scale? What negotiations are they in? What lawsuits are they in? I can begin to look at that specific company. Now, that company might be down, but their balance sheet is great. I can look at it and say, this appears to be it's down because the economy is down or the market's down. Give it a chance to come back up. It's not fundamentally wrong. And that's why we need to look at this. A passive manager will say, okay, I've picked this stock. And I'm going to put it in there because this is a long-term hold for me. I feel fundamentally it's good. I'm probably not going to change it unless I see a real reason to change it, which would make sense. Active management, there's going to be more turnover in that account. A lot of times that has to do with there's a specific goal that you're meeting, specific holistic plan that you're on. So there's active and passive management, a lot more movement that you see in active doesn't necessarily mean it's the better way to do it. Doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It's two different ways that people are viewing it and two different places where you might be in life. You know, you have an active manager and you're making income that you're at the top of your income level. And now they're making these sales and they're triggering taxes. You may not appreciate some active management. You might want to just say, hey, let's do some passive management. Give me some good fundamentals and let's just ride this for a couple of years. With that being said, that doesn't mean that you don't meet with your financial advisor. Whether you're passive or active, having that there is meeting with your advisor is so important. One of the things that um, Five and I always say with our clients is we are managing your investments based upon our last interaction with you. So if in the last interaction you were timid, you were fearful of the market, you were going through a job change, things were not going well. It may have reflected the decisions that were made at that meeting. But if you said, you know what, that was temporary. I know I said this. I know it helped me sleep better at night, but I now have a solid job. I have positive cash flow. I'm ready. I've built up my green tank like we worked on during that time. And I'm ready for more risk oriented investments, growth oriented investments. You have to communicate that with us, right? And that's why passive or active doesn't matter. I strongly believe having an annual review with your advisor is so important so they understand what's moving in your life. I had a meeting the other day and a gentleman walked in and him and his wife and he's like, Crystal, I'm going to apologize. So I'm like, whenever someone starts that way, you're like, I don't know where this is going. And I said, what's wrong? And he said, I don't think there's anything really to review. We're pleased with everything we have. And I don't think there's anything to talk about. I said, well, have a seat. Enjoy a good cup of coffee. I said, oh, and by the way, did you know that your wife's required minimum distribution is due? What? 
I said, oh yeah. I said, it's, she's 73 now. We need to start taking money out. He's like, oh, I didn't know that. And then he proceeded to tell me about a health concern that was going on in their family and that he was going to need money for this. And I'm like, oh, these are things that we need to know. When he left that meeting, he said, I am so glad that I came in because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't realize there were things that needed to be talked about that we could prepare for. And that's what those annual reviews are for, to remind you that your financial advisor shouldn't be just a money manager. They're there to give you strategic counsel. They're there to give you that insight that says, wait a minute, you're looking at it from this point of view. There's a whole nother point of view that you missed. Let's start looking there. And so that goes back to the active and passive management. I think you get the drift. Get, make sure that you're having that annual review. Looking at the clock, I'm playing race the clock with the last three predictions. The prediction that Bob had for 2023, it was number eight, was that international stocks would outperform the U.S. for the second year in the row. Now, that ended up not being true, but there is a lot happening internationally. Now, I know a lot of people are concerned what's going on overseas, mm, rightly so, but we have to understand that there's also U.S.-based companies that are operating globally overseas, and we want to know, well, gee, do I want a piece of a solid company over here that has chosen to expand in an upcoming company? Those are things to think about when you're sitting down with your advisor. Now, the next one goes with it so smoothly. It's that India, his prediction was that India surpasses China as the world's largest population and is the fastest growing large economy. That is true. I want you to think about this. We literally are looking at China all the time. That's what I hear when people come in the office, China, 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 China. But when we look at this, India surpassed China as the most populous country early in the year. We have to remember China's having difficulty with real estate, their aging population, their slowing growth. And now on the other hand, you have India going to the market. And I, I printed it out and I know that you guys can't see this here, but I love this because this was with Cato. Um, I went to the Cato Institute and they talked about the fact that the impact of globalization has catapulted India to prosperity. So there is a lot that's happening here when it comes to India. And I, we're not going to have time. I'm looking at the clock to go through this. But because of what's happening over there, we're seeing a huge growth in, in India and the opportunities that lie there. Now, some of these opportunities may be in infancy, which goes back to what I talked about last week about the cycle of the, the businesses, the infancy stage. But if you know you've done your homework, you know you've done the preparation, you have safe money in a green tank, you have other money in different places, you may be able to work with your advisor to take advantage of that again. All right, now let's go to the very last one. Oh, and by the way, Bob was right on that one. So the last one, Bob was right on this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But he said that there will be a double-digit number of candidates announcing a run for presidency. Now, that was true. We have seen 
right? So now we're in February. We've seen this start dwindling down, right? The names are dwindling down, but a double-digit number of president candidates for the Republican Party did materialize. And even though the election is nearly a year away, it's still hard to know who is really, well, it's not nearly a year away. It's less than a year away, I should say. It's hard to know who's going to be in the final run. I've got some ideas, but I am not going political on this program. That is for sure. But I say all of that to, to bring us back to this. The reason why we spent last week and this week talking about these top 10 predictions is to lay that foundation. Because next week, what I want to do is I want to talk about the predictions that we have for 2024. And I also want to talk a little bit about these magnificent seven stocks, because there's some hype about this. And this is what bothers me. People get excited. Think back to that diversification talk we, um, we talked about. They get excited about something and then they run off and buy it and they don't look at the repercussions. So I think that's an important concept we need to talk about next week. So I am going to encourage you to give our office a call at 518-433-7181 and let's schedule a time that we can talk together. Let me understand what's going on in your life, where you are now and where you want to go. And if working together to create a comprehensive financial plan is right for you. If it is, then give us a call at 518-433-7181 and join us again next week as we continue to provide financial clarity so that you can have confidence for every financial decision. Thank you and God bless. This program is for educational purposes only. We understand that finances are complex. Facing them alone causes stress, resulting in wrong choices, missing out on opportunities, and having to settle for a lower standard of living. At Crystal Clear Finances, our team approach focuses on providing clarity and confidence so you can make the right financial decisions. Investment advisory and financial planning services are offered through Alpha Star Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Clear Finances and Alpha Star are separate and independent entities. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability.